The, um, just, a, just a couple of things here. And uh, so, again, I'm just so distracted right now. That was so awesome. Just thank you guys. Thank you for, uh, for sharing that. Yes. And I loved Hannah's. My favorite thing about Pastor Fred is Vanessa. So me too. Me too. Me too. Hey, a couple of things. I, I, do, I do have some giveaways. Come on, because I always like to give some stuff away. So we've got City Life magnets for your car, for your car. And I think they're available tonight. So this is, they, they cost us $2, so we're selling them for $2. It's a cash-only transaction, and we're not making change. And that way we're going to be able to raise money to do more things like this. Does that make sense? So you got a $10 bill in your pocket, just get one or two of these, and we're not making change. Write a check. You might want to write a check for something more, whatever you decide. But if, right, does that make sense? And that way we're going to create some money to keep buying these types of things and do some fun stuff like this. So I'm going to give two away. One I'm going to give to Anthony and Amanda because Anthony gave me this. Come on, I got an honorary softball team t-shirt. So I'm going to trade in one t-shirt for one car magnet. That's a good trade. That's a good trade. I feel like I'm on Dances with Wolves right now. It's a good trade. It's a good trade. Everybody old like me thought that was funny. Nobody else did. So how about, how about one for Mr. and Mrs. Roberts? Mr. and Mrs. Roberts, who are here for the first time as a married couple. So I know. I know. She's showing a ring. Showing a ring. Oh, that's the other hand, though. It's the other hand. Showing the ring. So... So we're excited that they're, they're here tonight. Uh, a couple of more quick things. One is that we have secured our Southside location. I know, it's huge news. So we're going to be partnering with Faith Lutheran. It's right there on Route 17 uh, in the Carrollton area. And so it's one of the churches that, that we kind of had our sights on. And so we're excited. They voted this month as a congregation to invite us to come in. Uh, so location is secured. So anniversary, anniversary weekend in January, we'll have three Saturday services all happening at the same time in the region. Uh, Williamsburg, as you know, is shifting to Saturday nights just in a couple of weeks. Tomorrow is actually, if you've never been, come tomorrow. Tomorrow is our, our last full-on live service uh, at the YMCA for, for Sunday morning. So for those of you who said, I just, I need to go. You have to go tomorrow, right? Or you're going to miss your window. So, all right, two, just two more quick things, two more quick things. Uh, RC Parents Night, if you've got young people that are going into RC Revolution Church for the first time, or if they're in and you've never been to a parents' orientation, you need to come out Wednesday night. And while they're in here, Vanessa and I are going to be with the parents and just casting some vision in you for student ministries and how we can work together as leaders and parents uh, to, to disciple our kids and give them a, a hunger and an appetite for the kingdom. So, all right, last one is version. If you're a Bible app person, Bible.com, uh, Jamie's been doing this in Williamsburg for a, a while now, but if you use that app, we're going to start using it here. And so you can go on, you've got to search, we're not in as a location yet, but if you use that, you can go in, uh, you have to have a login, is that right, Jamie? You have to actually have a sign in. So you sign in, and the search to Sioux City Life, and my sermon will be in there. All the verses that I'm going to read, my notes that I'm working off of, you can follow along, and then there's places that you can make your own notes as well, because I'm, 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 I'm moving into the digital age, come on, moving into the digital age, so as they, as they push me down the road. They push me down the road. So, Father, we just, we thank you for tonight. 
We thank you for this Holy Spirit series that you have had us in uh, for, for just all, all summer and how we're going to be in it tonight and, and, uh, and tomorrow night and, and next Saturday night. Father, but, but my, prayer, my prayer is that even though this series is going to come to an end, it's just the beginning for many people in their journey and their walk with you, Holy Spirit. We, we want to have a deeper walk with you. We want to be more aware of your presence as we so often sing, Holy Spirit, we know as we're going to talk tonight, you are our mentor. Let it be that our hearts would always yield to you in Jesus' name. Come on. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, just how, anybody here tonight because of a postcard or a door hanger? Anybody here tonight because of a postcard or a door hanger? Come on. <laughs> Starbucks gift card. It's a $5 Starbucks gift card. Now that you know you're going to get something, anybody else? Their hands are going to go up all over? <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. That's good. Sweet. Well, it's good to have you with us. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Well, if you've got your Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 12. That's going to be our text. We're going to actually be in this chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, for the next two weeks. Because we've got, we co- I know we covered a lot of ground last week. Sometimes we cover about three weeks worth of content in 45 minutes, and so that's why we work so hard to get the notes online, and, and, and so that you can spend some time with it. So we're going to try to slow it down over the next couple of weeks and really dive into this, into this chapter. So if, if you're new with us, if you're, if you're new, what's in the verse for Newport News that kind of inspired this series is a verse in 1 Corinthians 16, 22. I know I sent you to 12, but I'm just doing a quick recap, and then we're going to get over to 1 Corinthians 12. But, but in, that, in that verse, Paul uses uh, this word in the Greek called maranatha, and many of you are familiar with this term. But maranatha, depending on how you break it out, could either mean our Lord comes or our Lord has come. And there's a lot of debate over which one it should be. And we believe as a church that you're not supposed to pick. That In the genius of God, he created a word that means two things because in this one word encapsulates the message of the gospel. Jesus has come and he is coming again. And we have a maranatha calling on our lives to tell people about Jesus, that he has come to die for their sins so they can be reconciled to God and that he's coming again to bring us with him where he is. And that's why the vision statement or the mission statement of our church is heaven now, heaven forever. And so, and, and so this series is about we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives if we're going to be effective and fruitful in bringing the message of the gospel to our world. So let me just, I want to say a couple of things too about the Trinity because we've not dug into that a whole lot in our series. Pastor Jamie did an awesome message on the Trinity in Williamsburg. So we go on the new website, which is amazing. Can we just keep saying that? Loving the new website. You go on, pick your location, go to Williamsburg and go to sermons and then you can find the one that he did on the Trinity. But I just wanted to make a comment on that because this comment on the Trinity connects into what I believe Paul is trying to say to us in 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 12. And, and the, the Trinity, we're never going to fully understand the Trinity. Can, can we just agree? There are some things about God we're never going to fully comprehend. And, and can we all agree too, at the point that we can comprehend it all, something has gone terribly wrong. Because divinity should never be fully comprehensible in our humanity. Now, once we get to heaven, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, then we're going to know all and understand all to the degree that God knows us. So we know that that means fully. But while we're here in this human body, there are limitations to our comprehension and to our understanding. But one of the ways that I understand the Trinity, it just helps me in my simple mind as I'm praying and thinking about God. I think about God the Father as my maker. He's my creator. 
And that he's created a purpose for my life. There's a reason that I am here. There's something that I'm supposed to do. He's my maker. He's created me. He's created my plan. And he's created my purpose. I think of Jesus as my master. He's my master in the sense that he has given me an example that I'm supposed to follow. I'm so, that's why I'm his disciple. I walk after him. I, I'm supposed to become like him. And if I don't become like him, then I have no hope in fulfilling the purpose that the creator has made for me. I think of the Holy Spirit as my mentor. That he is the manifest presence of the, the Son and the Father in my life, around me, in me. He lives inside of me, and he's walking with me. As Pastor Justin preached that amazing sermon about what paraclete means, this idea of him being our counselor. So again, I think of God the Father. He's my maker. I think of the Son as my master, and I think of the Holy Spirit as my, as my mentor. Now, that's important because as we get into 1 Corinthians 12, like we will tonight, Paul makes an effort under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to make a distinction between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he connects different parts of this chapter to each part of the Trinity, each part of the Godhead, because he's trying to teach us something about what he's writing through what he's revealing to us about the nature of who God is that's connected to what we just shared. All right, so 1 Corinthians 12. Now, this is my commentary on 1 Corinthians 12. I'm not saying everybody else is wrong, but I am saying that mine's better. So, so I get frustrated sometimes that, that, that all the commentaries that I look at, that it frustrates me sometimes when they can't answer all the questions that I have. And I have a lot of questions. I'm like a little kid on vacation, right? I just, I keep asking more questions. And so, so I've been studying this chapter since I first started reading it when I became a devoted follower of Christ in 1990. So what I'm sharing over the next two weeks is a compilation of all of these years of my study. So this is my, my commentary. I'm not good enough to do a commentary of the whole Bible. So I just have a commentary of one chapter, right? So, but I'm giving it to you over the next couple of weeks. And I think that you're going to find, if you've ever heard this chapter preached before, if you've heard this text preached before, that there's some revelation that we're going to share together over the next two weeks that I think is going to surprise you. So we, we like a little participation here at City Life, as you heard on that uh, little video that Student Ministries shared with us. And we do it sometimes to just get us all moving in the right direction in our brains, because some of you are right now going, did I leave the iron on at my, right? Should I have even used an iron, right? So right you with me so we're going to get you all with us right here so what are some things in your life that when they've happened you thought wow everything is about to change you slip up your hand i'll point to you and you share it amanda having a baby anybody can can resonate with that having a baby chris got married, got married. <laughs> got married everything is about to change and that's what she keeps telling you right so everything's about to change chris come on Graduated college. When I joined the military, Travis is ditto in that. Going to college. Jenna. Moving from New York to Virginia. Moving from New York. And it changed all in a good way because we have sugar in our tea here. Amen. I know. I know. <laughs> Mo moving to Australia. Yep. And then Australia back to here. So lots of cultural change. Somebody else. Denise. When my son started talking. When your son started talking. He hasn't stopped yet. He hasn't stopped yet. Any, somebody else? All the way in the corner. I can't say. Oh, is that Hannah? When your friend passed away early, yes, death. Is it, everything changes. That's good. Jamie, getting saved. Come on, making a decision for Jesus. She's setting me up in my notes tonight. Jess, when your first kid goes to school, I know. Yeah, those are good, right? And if, if we just, Nathaniel, come on. 
When you take a public stand for something. Come on, Tyler. When you got a job. Yes. I thought you were going to say when you got your first humidor. All right. <laughs> then everything changes. All right. All right. I digress. So, so 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 is Paul saying to the world, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when you become a devoted follower of Christ, everything should change. Everything should change. You should not be the person that you used to be. And people that know you should be a little bit confused because they see that there is this change and they want to know what has happened to you. In fact, I think if Paul were here, he would say, if you've not changed, something is terribly wrong. Because when the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you, everything should change. And the change should be visible to the world. I like to say that, that my relationship with Christ is deeply personal, but God never intended to, it to be private. It's supposed to be public. It's supposed to be personal, but it's supposed to be public. And part of the way that it's supposed to be public is the change should be evident to myself. It should be evident to the people that are around me. And it should be evident to the world. All right, so say, say, say this with, say, say this. Say, look together. Let's say it again. Look together. All right, 1 Corinthians, I'm going to read the first three verses. First three. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your questions about special abilities, how many of your Bibles say spiritual gifts there? How many? A lot of you, right? And so the word gift is not actually in there. That's inserted. In fact, if you've got a good translation, if you pay attention, it should be italicized. When you have a, in your Bible, when it has a word that's italicized, it means that it's a word that's been inserted for understanding. I think that that creates confusion. It does not belong there. They've inserted it there because they believe this entire chapter is about spiritual gifts. That's only part of it. And so I think that, that, that I appreciate they're, they're, they're trying to help us. Remember, the Word of God is inspired, but not necessarily all the publishing companies that print it out for us. And what happens so many times when they insert things, sometimes it does help to create clarity, but sometimes it narrows our focus and it can point it in the wrong direction. So I appreciate here the New Living Translation says, and I've got the New American Standard, and I'm going to go back and forth, and then I'm going to also reference the New King James, because when you're doing some serious study, you've got to pull in all these different translations, I think, to really get what God intended us to hear. So regarding your questions about special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, that means that before you were a devoted follower of Christ, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So let's stop there. What, what Paul is saying, right, because he's gotten word that the Corinthian church is a mess. And, and so we understand from the letter that he's writing, he's gotten word that people are doing these things that are inconsistent with a person who's a devoted follower of Christ. So the whole chapter starts with Paul saying, hey, if you're a devoted follower of Christ, there are some things that you should be doing, and there are some things that you should not be doing. I like what the Message Bible says for verse 1. What I want to talk about now, this is the Message Bible's rendering of verse 1. What I want to talk about now is the various ways God's Spirit gets worked into our lives. 
This is not a good rendering of that text. It changes your view and your perspective about what you read. Because now you realize this chapter is not a, the focus isn't supposed to be on spiritual gifts. The, spo- the focus is supposed to be my, on my relationship with the Holy Spirit. And yes, some evidence that will come from that, which part of it are spiritual gifts. But the emphasis and the attention and the focus should be on, is God living inside of me through the presence of his Holy Spirit? And if he is, is there change that is noticeable. Now for me, what I, how I would render verses 2 and 3, I think Paul's saying, if there has been an inward decision, there should be outward signs. If there has been an inward decision, there should be outward signs. Now I'm going to jump over to James 1, 23 and 24. James 1, 23 and 24. Listen to what James says. For if you listen to the word and don't obey... It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth because he's trying to get them to look into the mirror of the truth of God's word with him. And Paul is saying, when I look with your church into the mirror of God's word, I want to show you some things that I see. I want to tell you some things that I see. Because this idea of outward signs isn't just about supernatural manifestations, which we're going to get to that tonight because that is part of it, but it's so much more than that. In fact, if you were to continue reading in the book of James, if you jump over, if you have gone there with me in 417, 417, listen to what James says. Love this verse. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. In fact, I think that's the mark of one of the great marks of spiritual maturity. It's character, and then it's that your sin moves out of the world of commission and into the world of omission. Does that make sense? We're always going to be sinners, but I want the sin of my life to stop being the things that I'm not supposed to be doing, and I want the sin of my life to swing greater weight into I didn't pray as much as I should. I didn't read the Bible as much as I should. I didn't reach out to people as much as I should. Does that make sense? This idea that people, they, 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 they corner sin into this definition of morality, that's just a small part of sin, right? There's issues of morality, there's matters of conscience, there's foregoing liberties, there's the sin of omission, the good that I should do, and then I don't. And Paul's saying, hey, when you look at all of these things, when you're a devoted follower of Christ, there should be change in your life. And what we would say, and Paul would agree with, if you read the rest of his epistles, the change should never stop. We should be growing beyond recognition. Ten years from now, I should look a whole lot different than I look today because I keep growing and I keep changing. So there's change that I have from stopping. There's change from starting. But what I love about Paul here writing is that the fact that he wrote this letter is a lesson unto itself. His, his motivation for doing it and what he's practicing in and of itself is a principle for us. Because many of us, myself included, we don't always like this idea of other people looking at our reflection in God's Word. If, 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 if you're a little bit, maybe a little bit vain, whenever you see a mirror, you stop to look at yourself, right? They have mirrors all over the mall, right? And... and and so, so you're walking along, and you see yourself, and you just kind of glance, but you don't really want people to know. And if you're really vain, you don't care. You just stop and look at it and check in your hair to make sure you're, right? James says, do this with God's Word. It's, what it's, it's, it's part of the reason why it's there. 
You're supposed to look in there and see yourself. What does the Bible have to say? Compare your life to the Word of God. Paul then ups the ante. He says, not only are you supposed to look at yourself, but there should be people in your life that you trust enough to look with you. And that you would say to them, as we're standing here looking in the mirror together, what do you see? And sometimes if the relationship is deep enough, we don't even have to wait for an invitation. We can just say, as we're looking into God's word together, can I, can I share something with you? We joke here, we use the phrase, can I just love on you for a minute? If you hear that, somebody's about ready to look into God's word with you in the mirror. All right? Paul is saying, as a church, you've got to learn to look together. You just can't look by yourself. You can't look by yourself. Because then, because you've got blind spots. There's things that, that you're not going to see. There's things that you don't want to see. Sometimes we need a friend to get up in that reflection with us and talk to us about what they see in our life and what they see in God's Word. And, and, and then if it's a true friendship coming, there could be an exchange there. That's part of what community is important. That's why life groups are vital. That's why getting involved in ministry is important. It's not just about the work that needs to be done. It's about the relationships that get formed and the trust that gets birthed so we can stand in God's Word together and look at ourselves together. So let's, let's do this. Let's just push the pause button on the message. And I just want to pray for some of you tonight. We like participation and we also like courage. If you're so bold tonight, and I'm standing up already. I'm the first one standing up. If you have a hard time receiving from other people when they're trying to tell you something about your life that needs to change because of what they see in God's word. If, if something in you tends to, if your first inclination is defensiveness and arise. I'm just going to invite you to stand. I'm standing up for myself tonight, and I just want to pray, and then we're going to move on. Father, we pray for every person that's standing up right now here in this place. Father, we want to have a heart that not just receives from you, but we want to receive from the people that you put into our life. That God, they're Paul's that you brought into our lives to look into your word, into the mirror, and Father, may it be that our humanity would shut up and receive from people, the loving correction that you want to bring into my life. Let it be a change in me. Let it be a change in every person that's here, that we want to be a church that looks together in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said, amen. Amen. We have to look together. Paul opens this great chapter with saying, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, you like to look together. If the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, there should be a longing. In fact, it sounds a lot like the Sermon on the Mount by this guy named Jesus, does it not? Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There should be a hungering and a thirsting for living my life the right way, which means stopping what I need to stop, starting what I need to start, and where I have blind spots that I welcome the input of trusted people. And if you don't have trusted people, it's because you're, it's one of the things that you're not doing is putting yourself in environments to build those relationships, and you have to start doing it. You have to put yourself in places so relationships can form so that you can experience what it means to look together. It's an outward sign. It's who we are as a church. It's part of our culture. You have a maker who created you for a purpose. You'll never fulfill that purpose if you don't become the person that your master is. And the only way that you're ever going to become the person that the master is, 
is if you continually yield your will to the presence of your mentor. The Holy Spirit is in your life because he lives there. If, he made a vow of devotion, if you made a vow of devotion to Christ, he's also present in your life through the people that are around you. See, part of the mentoring that comes through the Holy Spirit isn't just me and him, it's us together. It's us together. And part of the mentoring is so that I can become the person my master is so that I can fulfill the purpose that my maker has for me. All right, verse 4. There's a lot in those three verses. Verse 4. I'm going to go 4 to 6. This is Paul's transition. There's a transition here in the text. So, so if you're breaking down 1 Corinthians 12, there is an introduction that Paul sets as the tone of the rest of the chapter. And remember, there were not chapters and verses when all this was written. It was just a letter. And, and it's been broken down into chapters and verses to help us follow it and study it and, and, and reference it. But, but you've written letters before, and, and right there's a flow to the letters. There's sections of letters. If you've written a long letter, or, or maybe you haven't written a letter, an email, whatever you want to call it, a, a, a rant on Facebook, right? Some of your rants are more organized than others, because and, and, I've read them. And, and so, so, but if there's structure, you start by trying to give people a sense for where you're going to go. And so this is a portion of the letter of, of Paul's first letter to the church of Corinth. And so he's setting the tone through this first thing about looking together. And, and then, then he jumps down, there's a transition. The transition is the outline for everything that's to follow. You tracking with me? All right, verse 4, verse 4. I'm still in James. All right. It's like, that is not what Paul said. This is not in my commentary. All right. Verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. Now, this is not in italics, and it should not be in your Bible either, because that's the first time it actually appears in the chapter. Spiritual gifts. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. So he connects spiritual gifts to the Holy Spirit, this one part of the Trinity. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. I'm going to read it out of the New American Standard in just a minute. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. So this word for service is the word that gives us ministries or minister. It gives us the word deacon. It's about serving and caring and ministering other to other people. This is connected to Jesus. And then in verse 6, this is not Paul working out of a thesaurus so that he's not redundant. Every word that is chosen is intentional and inspired by God. It's to be instructive. Verse 6, God works in different ways. This is the word activities. This idea of works in different ways. It's the only time in the Bible this word appears. This word, we're going to get into that next week. But works in different ways. It's the, it's, it's the word to res, the result of energy. But it is the same God who does the work in all of us. So you're tracking with me? There's a, there's a connection to the Spirit. There's a connection to the Son. And there's a connection to God the Father. All right, let me read in the, the New American Standard. This is one of the most literal translations that there are. And so if you're a study person, you should make sure that you've got one of these in your library. Chapter, uh, verse 6 in New American Standard. And there are varieties of effects, um, starting in verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are, are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are a varieties of effects. Again, that word effects is the result of energy. But the same God who works all things in all persons. Works all things in all. So let's talk about this word gifts, spiritual gifts a little bit. I don't like the word spiritual gift. In, in fact, if, if, if you're okay with writing in your Bible, because God's okay with you writing in your Bible, or if you're online, you can make a note, you should just change that from spiritual gift to the result of grace. That's the change you should make, because that's what the word means. 
It's charismata. It's, it's two words put together. It's, it's grace, and when there's an M-A on the end of it, it means the result of the word that comes. That's why the word for activity is the word that gives us energy. There's an M-A after it. It's the result of energy. Charismatic gets all the attention, but this word energy with the M-A is just as important as we're going to find next week. And so what Paul is saying, there are, there are supernatural manifestations that happen in our lives, which is where we're going next, that are the result of the grace of God in our lives. Meaning you don't earn it. You can't go to school to earn a degree in it. You can do that for some things, but not this thing that Paul's getting ready to talk about. He's saying this idea, there are things that are going to happen in my life that's the result of grace. If Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wanted to use the word gift, he would have reached for a different Greek word that's D-O-R-E-A, I believe. That's the word for gift like you show up at a birthday party, or if you went to the Roberts, Mr. and Mrs. Roberts' wedding, right? I hope they were a lot of gifts on their table, right? That's the D-O-R-E-A word in the Greek. They had parties back then. Come on. There were, people gave gifts to each other back then. I, I don't like this word gift because in our Western culture, it carries with it a connotation of choice. It, it, it carries with it a connotation of if someone gives you a gift, you might pretend that you like it in front of them because you're being courteous, but you can't wait to find the gift receipt that's in the bottom so that you can go back to Target and get something that you want. And if there's not a gift receipt, when you get the customer service counter, I've used this before and it works, just show it to them and say, would you wear this? Right? And they will take pity on you. They might give you store credit, but come on, you can use that store credit to get a DVD or something fun. You, you with me? All of you have gotten gifts you don't like. All of us have given gifts that other people don't like. We understand that in our culture there's this courtesy that we give, which I think is a good thing. But there's this idea that I'm not obligated to keep it if I don't want it. That's not what this is. And that's not the word that God put. It's the word, the result of grace. See, gift carries with it a connotation of choice. The result of grace as a phrase carries with it an implication of responsibility. See, because when you got stuff in your life that's a result of grace, God's saying, I put it there not to give you a choice, but to give you a responsibility to move in these things because you have a Maranatha calling on your life to tell the world about my son, Jesus Christ. And this is about his choice, and he chose to come and die for your sins. You have to make a choice to make a vow of devotion to him. That's your choice. But once you make that choice, he's your master. And once you enter into this relationship of him being your master, and the spirit comes and lives inside of you, that are things that are there, the result of grace, the charismata. And those things are there because now you have a responsibility to let those things come out of your life to tell people about the Jesus that has saved you. It's Paul's transition. In his transition, in the New King James, listen to this, the New King James, it says a varieties of gifts, a varieties of ministries, and a varieties of activities. I, I like the New King James here because it uses the word activity, and I think that we understand that. There are a variety of gifts. That's verses 7 through 11. There are a variety of ministries. That's verses 12 through 27. And there are a variety of activities, which are verses 28 to 30. 
And I believe that Paul here is giving us an outline for what he believes that God has told him to teach. And so he spends a little bit of time on each one. And when he talks about a variety of gifts, which is the word charismata, the result of grace, as we're going to see, because we're going to have time to cover this first one tonight, he connects it to the word phanerosis, which is the word manifestation. And that's important for us. He connects it to the Spirit because all throughout the Bible, as you read, the Holy Spirit is always hanging around when crazy stuff is taking place, right? Even in the Old Testament, when you read, right, prophets, they did the, the, the Spirit came upon him. And so Paul's audience, when he wrote this letter, right, the New Testament didn't exist, and the only thing that existed was the Old Testament. They had this understanding as a, as a Jewish community that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, was a source of great supernatural power in the world. And so that's why Paul connects this idea of manifestations, which we're going to talk about, and that list to the Spirit. Then when he shifts over to ministries, which is service and caring for one another and helping one another in the context of community in church, he connects that to Jesus, as we're going to talk about next week, because we're all part of the body of Christ. And when you're part of the body of Christ, people are serving you, and you should be serving them in turn. That's why we say, everybody who calls City Life Church their home, you got to find something to do because a lot of people are doing things for you. And that's where Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. It's a body that's fit jointly together, each part doing its work. There's work to be done as we're connected together. So that's why he connects. The word spiritual gift does not appear in the middle text. It does not. This is when he talks about the eye and the foot as we're going to get into it next week. Everybody has a role that they're supposed to play. A ministry is the word that Paul calls it here, and he connects it to Jesus because when we're in the church, we're part of the body of Christ. And then he connects activities to God. Now, I'm just going to throw this out to you as a thought, maybe to bait you a little bit to come back next week. But see, one of the things that makes the Trinity fascinating is that every part of the Trinity is equal in essence, but they are subordinate in relationship. It's a hard concept for us sometimes. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all equally divine, but the Son is subordinate in relationship to the Father, and the Spirit is subordinate in relationship to the Son and the Father. This concept of the Trinity is equal in essence, but subordinate in relationship. I'm not making that up. That's, a, that's a, 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 an orthodox view of Christianity in the Trinity. Right? Paul connects that thought to this idea of activities because the last part of 1 Corinthians 12 is not about spiritual gifts. It's about order in the church and about being a church that believes that everybody's equally valuable. We're equal in essence, but there has to be subordinate in relationship if there's going to be order so that we can be effective in our work. But that's for next week. That's a commercial for you. All right. All right, let's talk about, say, expect together. Expect together. That was weak. One more time. Expect together. All right, so right, he says, look together, and then he gives us a transition, and now he gets into the meat of the chapter, and, and what he's saying here is that if you are a devoted follower of Christ, you have, should have an expectation that God wants to use you in supernatural ways. All right, let's read verses 7 through 11. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. And then we'll get back into Fred's commentary. For to each one is given a manifestation. It's the only time this word appears. 
in, in the chapter. Manifestation is phanerosis. It means for the, the lid to be taken off of something. It means for something to appear. There's a, there's a suddenness to it. There's, there's a, in fact, I would say to you, which we're going to get into it more next week, that, that this list here does not require any training. It requires obedience. Phanerosis and manifestation is just a willingness to be used by God. Ministry requires preparation and training and learning and, 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 and maturing your gift. But this list here is about being available to God to be used by Him in supernatural ways, even if He's never used you that any way before. It's a result of the grace of God in your life. You're, no one's teaching you how to do it. It's just boom. God just shows up in your life and uses you in a crazy way. 7 through 11. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And now he gives a list of ways that sometimes God shows up in supernatural ways and makes himself known through the Spirit. For to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, the gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. And to another, distinguishing of spirits, or what we call discerning of spirits. And to another, various kinds of tongues, which is spiritual language, which we preached on that extensively last weekend. You can get that on the podcast. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11 but one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Paul, Paul's saying to the church of Corinth, you should live your life with an expectation that God wants to use you in supernatural ways. In fact, in fact, it's one of the outward signs of the inward decision. See, he starts by saying, you, you've got to be a person that looks together. If you've made a vow of devotion to Christ, one of the changes in your life is that now you immerse yourself in, into community and you begin to go on this journey of helping one another look into the Word of God on this journey of change. And then he gives a little bit of transition to give us the outline for the rest of the chapter and then he, and then he launches in, you should, now you should also expect together. In fact, if you've made a vow of devotion to Christ, one of the things that should make you different than who you were before is that you wake up every day going, I wonder if God is going to use me today to shock the world. Not with a sense of entitlement, but with a sense of expectation. With a sense of expectation. You've heard me tell the story before. The, the very first house I bought was a HUD home in the inner city of Richmond. It was, it, was, it was in a state of such of disrepair, I couldn't even get a mortgage. It was so cheap. I, just, I had a friend who was a branch manager. He just gave me a personal loan to buy this house. It was it, All the pigeons of North Richmond lived in my attic at my house. And so when, 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 uh, when, when, when we moved in, when I moved in, I wasn't married then. I had some, some old college buddies and some people at church. The church that we, I was, ended up being at for 17 years before coming here, people came and we were doing all kinds of projects to get this house. And we were involved in homeless ministry and a revitalization effort in that community and reaching out to kids. It was just an amazing time. And, and, uh, and so it had an, a tin roof. You ever seen those old tin roofs? And so you had to get the, t we, we were going to, the roof was shot. And so you had to, we would get to the top of this thing, the, the, the pitch on it, I kid you not, was like this, right? And so, and then there's this little ledge on the, on the end, and, and then the tin, you would roll it like a sardine can with a big pry bar, and you would push it with your feet, and then you'd get to the end and try to push it over without falling over with it. And, and, and so we, we got all the tin off. It was a project over uh, several weeks, and, and, and the day that we were going to put the, the, uh, the felt paper down, we, we, we knew we needed to get at least that down in case it was, it was going to 
going to rain. And so it looked like the forecast was going to be good. And so we got all the felt paper down. And then we were able to get half of the roof shingled. And then we had to stop. And then we were going to come back on another day. And so we came back on the other day to do the, to, to do the other side. And uh, as we're up there, all of a sudden you can hear this rolling and rumbling of thunder off in the distance, right? It's just this terrible noise that you think something is about ready to unleash here. Right? And, and so then it gets dark, and it's me and two of my friends are up there working and hammering away as fast as we can, and, 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 and all of a sudden in the middle of the day, it gets dark just like this. And the whole time God's saying to me, Fred, I want you to stand up and pray as loud as you can that the rain's going to stop. It's like, Charlie, I think God's trying to tell you something. Are you listening? Right? They already, th- the people in this neighborhood already think I'm crazy enough for living here to begin with. Well, that's another story for another day. They already think I'm insane for buying and moving into this, into this neighborhood. And, and so, and, and God just, he's, he's unrelenting. You ever had a conversation with God? Right? He's unrelenting. And he's like, Fred, I want you to stand up. And so finally I said, God, I can't do it. I, I, don't, I don't have the faith for that. I can't. I can't do it. I cannot. It's, it's, it's getting ready to rain any second. It's dark in the middle of the day. And you want me to, they already think I'm this crazy guy that's moving to this neighbor. Now I'm going to stand up here and pray that it's not going to rain and it's still going to rain. They're going to think I'm even crazier. And, and so he's unrelenting. It starts to drizzle. Right? Just splatter here and a splatter there. And so God says, Fred, are you going to do it or not? So I, I knew in that moment, it was, a, it, was, it, was a, it was a pivotal moment for me in my journey as a devoted follower of Christ. and been a follower of Christ just for a few years when this was happening. So I turned to tar- Charlie and Scotty and I said, I'm going to stand up in just a minute. Now it's, now it's a steady, steady, steady drizzle, right? I'm going to stand up and pray as loud as I can that it's going to not rain. And they looked at me like, hey man, it's up to you, right? So I stood up on this peak, right, at a, a foot on, on either side, and I began to pray as loud as I can. Now, I've got a big mouth. That God has called us to live in this neighborhood, to tell people about Jesus, and, and, that, and that this rain is not going to stop us, and we, in Jesus' name, this rain's going to stop. And like, and once I start praying, right now I'm in the flow, right? And, and so I'm praying, and, 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 and I'm doing this, right, looking up with one eye just every now and again to see if it stopped yet, because I don't want to stop praying until it's up. So I keep praying, and now Scotty and Charlie are standing up, right? They've got their hands up, and they're praying. And then as soon as we said, and in Jesus' name, amen, I, I kid you not, I, I'm not embellishing any of this. As soon as we said, in Jesus' name, the rain stopped, the clouds peeled back, the sun came out, and all three of us almost fell to our death dancing on that rooftop because the rain had stopped. I tell that story every, every couple of years here because it almost didn't become a story that I could tell. You, you tracking with me? It's, it's Paul saying, expect together. Have an expectation that God wants to use you in ways that you've never been trained in, you've not been to school for, There's not a manual in it. It's the result of grace. It's because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. And there's going to be times where he invites you into a moment that doesn't make sense and is beyond human reason. And for every story I can tell like that, I can tell stories where what I thought was going to happen didn't happen, right? And then that's a lesson for me too, for humility, because it's not about what people think of me. It's about my obedience. It's about being faithful. It's about being available. 
And Paul says, when you make a vow of devotion to Christ, be a person that looks together and be a person that expects together. In community. I keep using this word together. Paul had no concept of Christianity for people individually. If you've been born into the family, you've been born into a family that you're supposed to find. And whether you find it here or find it somewhere else, find one somewhere. Because these things we're talking about here tonight and next Saturday night, you cannot do it by yourself. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. Sometimes I, I, I like to think about what was happening in the writer's life on the day they decided to sit down and, 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 and put an ink to paper. Now we can do lots of study and we can figure out where Paul was and what was happening. But I'm talking about like the, 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 when he wakes up that morning, right? And Because when they were writing these letters, they had no, they had no idea. I don't think they did that God was going to use this to extend the sacredness of Scripture. I don't think they had any idea that it was going to be used in that way. They just, they're waking up one day and the Holy Spirit is speaking to them to do something. For many of us in this room right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to do something. You might not become a Paul in the world. I might not become a name that's recognizable like that, but that's not what it's about. The question is, what would have happened if all those times the Holy Spirit was saying, Paul, let's write a letter. Let's write a letter. That church is, they're, they're suffering. Let's, let's encourage them. Let's correct them. What, what if Paul had said, eh, I don't think so. Not today. How, how many times, right? It gives me pause. How, how many moments have I missed in my life where God wanted me to do something and I said, eh, no, nah, not today. What is the moment that was missed? Not just, not just for my life, but for generations to come. 2,000 years later, here we are. We cherish this book, the sacredness of this book. It has become the mirror that we look into because people live their lives with an expectation that God would use them. And when he spoke to them, they stepped into the moment. Can we just say, can we leave here tonight saying, God, I want to be that kind of child of yours I want to step into the moment when you call me. I want, to, I want you to find me obedient. I might feel inadequate, but find me obedient. Stand with me, Father, tonight as we just step into this moment of worship. For those of us who don't like to look together, may it be that that stronghold has been broken in our lives. And and for those of us who maybe are a little bit frightened at the idea of expecting together for moments of manifestation, for for God to use us in supernatural ways, God, I pray that our faith would give way, that our fear would give way to faith. Our fear would give way to faith. And that we would begin, starting tomorrow, waking up, saying, God, I'm here. If you want to use me, if you want to use me, I'm ready. Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship together.